Welcome to The Warehouse. Has the Sunday sermon ever left you running to Google with new theological questions? Have you ever wished you could peer behind the curtain and see how a message comes together? That's where we come in. Here at Cornerstone Church, we spend hours every week talking about Scripture. This is the place to learn about passages, dive into their context, and study the Bible's cultural background. Come to The Warehouse, where we extend what you learn from the stage. Hey, Nathan, what's your favorite pie? I don't eat pie. Next. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> what I'd like rude. to ask, though, is what's your favorite candy bar? Ah. Uh. Yeah. Okay. I like pecan pie. It is my all-time favorite. I will eat the obligatory slice of pumpkin pie once a year, and I will enjoy it and then like not desire it any other time of the year. Whipped cream um, or no whipped cream on the Obviously pumpkin whipped cream. Pie. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And the, do you have do you have people in your life who will make like homemade whipped cream? Mm. That's like even better. Yeah. It's really good. But I do also just love Cool Whip. Do you put Cool Whip on Jello? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. That I was know. something we did growing up and I haven't thought about that. Why are you saying it that way? Cool Whip. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I saying what, what way? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So pecan pie would be my absolute favorite. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, I also love key lime pie. Wow. I'm not like really much of a normal fruit pie person yeah. or coconut cream or any of those. Mm. I like all pie. All pie. Almost. That's not an answer. <laughs> okay. I've never Favorite. heard of all pie. <laughs> yeah. You just put everything in it. Oh. No, but do you? <laughs> nope. Um, okay. If I had to choose, I'm going to do two because I can never choose one thing. Wow. I'm so indecisive. A good baked apple pie or okay. a chocolate pie. Yeah. Or They're I really like pumpkin. They're both good. It's fine. If I have a fruit pie, I desperately want to have a scoop of vanilla ice cream with it. Mm. It feels wrong without it to me. Yeah. Hold on. Meat pie. Minced meat pie. I've never had it. Me either. I never want to have it. I don't know what it is. Mm. Oh, Parker says it's so good. Oh, really? But is it shaped like a pie? Is it savory? Okay. Does it have like onions and like cabbage? What? Ooh. Gravy? mix okay is it just like okay so it's like it's a it's like a chicken pot pie oh okay so that's not as gross whenever i think about that way right but whenever i hear it i'm like hmm yeah you know because you think sweet pie right you i don't necessarily (laughs) have a favorite pie not a huge pie guy i like i like the pies without the regular pie crust um so i like chocolate pie with i think my mom used to make it with like an Oreo crust on it. Oh, oh yeah. Super That's good. good. I can tell you my least favorite pie is Shelby's father one time made me an egg custard pie. Yeah. That was, that tasted like scrambled eggs. Ugh. That, that was gross. No. It was gross. No. Yeah. And I told him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, Do they still make it? Oh, he loves it. So I mean, oh, yeah, okay. he'll just make no, it. Thank but you. he begged me to try it and, and he like made it for me. Eggs? And yeah, I don't know what's all in it. It tastes like scrambled eggs though. Mm. But hold on, hold on. Liquefied scrambled eggs, like a custardy scrambled egg. Yes. Mm. I'm stepping. So I think you reframed it for me a little bit because I thought of like the standard pies, but like Tia makes a peanut butter pie Mm. that has an Oreo crust. Yeah. Yeah. And like that might actually be my favorite. Yeah. That's where I lean. I don't like the traditional pies as much. Um, They're okay. I'll eat them, but I prefer something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Peanut butter pie. Wow. Mm. Those are good. So good. So good. So good. Which leads us, I feel like, right into (laughs) our topic for today, which is connecting. Yeah. We just had a moment of connection. There was some like shared disgust over 
scrambled egg pie. Yes. I don't um, think any of us want love to try for it. Peanut butter pie. Mm. Yeah. The I, wonder if there's, pie. I wonder if there's any other podcast listeners who likes the egg custard pie. I'm sure there's people well, who like it. I, I think, yeah, custard in general can accidentally lean eggy and it depends on how you cook it. Mm. So like I can, I can get behind. It's like when I've made creme brulee, it has egg in it. And if you cook it wrong, the yeah. custard can like start to be a little scrambled eggy. Yeah. So it's like. Maybe he just made it poorly. Wow. Does he listen to this podcast? <laughs> Probably not. But okay. Well, if someone he does, says I won't share this episode. <laughs> yeah. Next time he cuts your hair. <laughs> he just buzzes gonna, it right yeah. off. He does a one does it, straight doesn't on the Doesn't address top. the podcast at <laughs> yeah. all. Yeah. Just like. Treats it like nothing ever happened. Right. Goes like totally bald. And he's like, there you go. That's yes. for the custard pie. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan. Oh, man. Maybe I should Let's send him the he's podcast. not vindictive. Yeah, new fear unlocked. <laughs> that, that actually does lead us into our topic for yeah. today, which is uh, interacting with one another. How, Jesus' desire for like how we're supposed to deal with conflict and sin there in relationships. Is. There's the full circle. Yeah. Good job, guys. <laughs> Boom. I, I'm get... not sure that we actually really have much more to say. Yeah. No, that does we've said already. <laughs> but we'll give it a shot. Um, <laughs> see what we can do. Yeah. So we're looking at uh, Connect Week 2. We're, we are in two um, passages in Matthew. So Matthew 5, 21 through 26, and 18, 15 through 20. These both deal with like what to do whenever there's sin and uh, disunity in a relationship and how to address it. I love it because it comes at it kind of from both sides, mm-hmm. like the offender or the offendee, um, or, or if you just see someone caught in sin. So I love this. These two separate teachings from Jesus um, give us some really good direction whenever we think about how to deal with relationships. Yeah. It's super so, practical too. Yep. It really is. So uh, let's do big ideas first. All righty. I'll start. Um, mine was, there is no room for division between brothers and sisters in the community of Christ. Mine was reconciliation can lead to restoration. Mine was family takes the uncomfortable steps to preserve unity. Okay, let's talk. These are both in Matthew. So what do we need to be reminded of contextually for the book of Matthew? What do you got? Stephanie, you love to delve into this land. I did mainly like right before. So immediate context. So, Anyways, Matthew is writing to predominantly Jewish Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew, yep, I'm adding two words together. Matthew throughout his gospel mm. shows that Jesus fulfills all that God has promised, particularly particularly showing mm-hmm. how Jesus is the ultimate son of both Abraham and David. Love it. Good. Words. That's all right. That's They're all right. hard today. We all have that. Yep. Um, to add on a little bit, uh, Matthew, former tax collector, one of Jesus's disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, we also know that uh, through this writing, that one of his main purposes in this book is to demonstrate that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I always like to point out, and I think it's important mm-hmm. when we read all the Gospels, um, but also here in Matthew, is it's not just a biography including every detail of Jesus's mm-hmm. life. Um, it's one of those things where he's pulling out the important events, pulling out the things that Matthew thought was a uh, key to pointing to Jesus being the Messiah. So um, not to look at it as this full account. Um, it has a lot of good stuff in there and a lot of things that did happen, um, but realizing the context of what he was writing it for and the mm-hmm. purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And so these gospels, let's see, we said that 
Matthew was um, written before 70 AD, yeah. sometime after like 45 AD, so somewhere in that in that window. Um, it's just wild to think about. Um, I don't know. I guess I I guess in my head growing up, I just kind of thought that they, as soon as Jesus died and was resurrected, that they kind of sat down and wrote wrote everything down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not the way it happened. Like they they were sharing the gospel. They saw it as their primary mission was to go make disciples like Jesus told them to do. And then there hits a point for each of these, the gospel writers that they're like, you know, we need to write this stuff down because it seems that he's not coming back in our lifetime. And so we need to preserve the gospel for future generations. So. Didn't you say yesterday, Matthew was one of the most passed around? It is like there's, so whenever you look at like church history stuff, you see lots of evidence of, uh, Matthew being like one of the primary gospels in circulation. So it's like if you only had one gospel in the early church, it was probably Matthew. Okay. Um, yeah. But they would say Mark was written first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's more like source criticism now. When are we look back? Like there's a, a popular theory about how the gospels were written that it would be like the Mark Q hypothesis where there was uh, the gospel of Mark was written first. It primarily contains like accounts of th- stories that happened. Um, without a lot of teachings, and then there was a separate uh, document that they call Q that um, that had a lot of teachings and sayings of Jesus, and then the other gospel writers used those to kind of jog their memory to remind mm-hmm. them of the things as they put their gospels together. It's like not provable, but like um, it's a pretty popular theory, and doesn't in any way take away from the inspiration. Yeah. Just it means that they were potentially referencing some other materials to remind themselves. And then yesterday, I know it was said that uh, Matthew writes in five major discourses. Mm-hmm. And so Matthew 5 comes from which part the of first the, one, yep. the first the one? The first one. on the Mount. Okay. And then the next one we talk about comes, comes from, from the number fifth. four. Fourth. Yep. Okay. Fourth one. And la- uh, let's see. the Yeah. When we were talking about Judgment Day with the sheep and the goats, that was from the fifth one. Yep. Yeah. I wonder, I think people have seen that as potentially being linked to like the Pentateuch as well. So whenever okay. we think of Jesus as the new Moses who like rightly interprets the law, whenever Moses, uh, whenever God told Moses that there was going to be another prophet that stood in the, like that was like him, um, uh, people, like M- Matthew's clearly identifying Jesus as that yeah. prophet. Um, and so having five discourses could be correlated to the first five books yeah. of the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That's neat. Yep. Um, okay, let's uh, then let's talk about Matthew 5 specifically. What do we need to know about this context? Yeah, so this is right in the middle of um, the most famous sermon Jesus ever taught. So if you guys remember, we went through the B, not the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount this past summer. Um, and so that's where this is at. And then also verses 21 through 48 in Matthew 5 is often called the six antithesis because Mm -hmm. all six sections begin with some variation of you have heard it said, but I say. Mm -hmm. Yep. When we talk about those antithesis, I think it's important to look at like right before he goes into those, Jesus is talking about being the fulfillment Mm -hmm. of the law and the prophets, Mm -hmm. the fulfillment of those messianic promises and how he didn't come to abolish the law, Mm -hmm. but to fulfill it. Um, And then we look at those um, and we'll get to see a little bit as we unpack today's scripture of him not uh, discrediting or pushing down uh, something that they had been taught before, but leveling it up, showing the heart behind it. Yeah. Um, so you get this really cool picture of Jesus being the fulfilled law of Moses, the new Moses, and then also kind of revealing the heart of God to pe- to the people um, and to believers in a way that they had never 
heard before in a Mm -hmm. way that they had maybe misinterpreted uh, what law was given to them, um, which is really cool, uh, Mm -hmm. which I I just love, you know, whenever we get to see this, uh, which that's what Jesus does all the time, but just that that revelation of Mm -hmm. of what God really um, expected of his people. Mm. That's good. Yeah, I really like that. And I'm just thinking about like, it's not that he's changing the law. He just said like, hey, don't do that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Don't change the law. Um, it's he's showing what the heart of the law was. It's like whenever God said, uh, don't murder, like don't murder his, it's very obvious that like to us now, whenever we look back, that's like, he's not just saying God, God's desire was not just like, Hey, stop short of actually killing the dude, like whatever up to that is fine, but just don't kill him. It's like, it's very clear that he wants, um, their hearts to be in the right place. Not just that they don't take it to all the way to the end. Yeah. When I think about the Sermon on the Mount, I, I see so many beautiful descriptions of the kingdom that like, um, I I read it, I'm like, man, what would it be like if that was our reality? Mm-hmm. Like if people actually behave this way, mm-hmm. and I think it has the effect of like, I want to be a part of that, yeah. mm-hmm. which I think was largely what he was going for. He's not trying to give them like um, a new lo- law to live by as far as saying like, hey, here's how you get into the kingdom. Right. He's not trying to say, if you can keep, keep all of these laws, mm-hmm. then you'll make it. He's saying, this is the way kingdom citizens behave. And it's like really inspiring and makes you want to be adopted into that family. Yeah. Not something to make it more, more strenuous mm-hmm. or this new set of new, this new checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, in turn, they should have, or whenever they heard it, like, look at that is, wow. Like that's something I desire for, mm-hmm. for my life. That's mm-hmm. what I desire for my community. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. And it also has that like effect of being, helping you realize how impossible it mm. is to do it on yeah. your own mm-hmm. because he says like, um, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you won't enter, enter into the kingdom. Um, and they would have heard that and been like, Holy cow, no way. These mm-hmm. guys are doing it the best of any of us. Yep. And he's saying like, unless you're better than them, it's like, my goodness. Yep. Impossibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And then he says like, be perfect as my heavenly father is, mm. as, as the father's perfect. And so it's like, goodness. So it also has that effect of helping us recognize that even if we'd managed to keep the laws in the, in their strictest, you know, sense, like we can't keep the heart of the law. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Okay. Um, I guess the only other thing, so in those six antithesis, you've got, um, so there's, Jesus talks about murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, retaliation, and loving your enemy. And so we are in the first one Mm -hmm. talking about murder. So I can, let me read the first section. Um, Jesus says, you've heard that it was said of the, to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. What do you guys have here? So right off the bat, um, as we were just just talking mm-hmm. about, um, you see that first phrase of "you have heard that it was said," which would have been a common phrase with how scripture and law would have been presented to them by by teachers and scribes in the synagogues. Um, so you see Jesus using that, mm-hmm. and then saying, "But I say to you." Um, so this is the actual act of him saying, "Like I didn't come to abolish mm-hmm. the law. Like this is what you've heard, but also." Here's this, mm-hmm. um, and this is him, you know, going into his detail and giving the clearer um, description, the clearer mm-hmm. heart behind it, uh, not correcting it, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. And it also shows 
And the, the thing that uh, amazes me and that whenever I was reading the commentary pointed out, this shows his authority mm-hmm. uh, for him to say, but I say to you, right. um, it, it's not him relying on the words of mm-hmm. a previous scribe or some previous teaching. Um, this was what he was teaching them. And then he was revealing the true understanding mm-hmm. of the law of Moses, which is, is pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not canceling the law, but he's intensifying its mm-hmm. ultimate meaning. Meaning. Mm-hmm. That word but uh, that I uh, I read in a commentary that the Greek word translated but is a connective that can also mean um, and yet or in addition. So it's, which changes it a little bit because w- the way we use but it typically cancels out the things yeah. before that. It says like, hey, that's the way it was, but here's the way it is now. Right. It's mm-hmm. like that's, that's no longer true. But if instead what's happening is he's saying um, that is true and let me, let me clarify mm-hmm. in addition to that or and yet. Mm-hmm. just kind of a different feel. Yeah. We kind of talked yesterday in verse 22, where it says who is angry with his brother, the word angry there um, can mean to act on it, to provoke. So we talked about the difference between righteous and unrighteous anger. And didn't we walk away saying like, it's more towards the unrighteous anger or is it both and? Um, so I guess my, my question was like, Jesus doesn't differentiate here. Mm-hmm. He just says everyone who is angry with his brother. Mm-hmm. And so we were just asking the question like, okay, so, I mean, we have, uh, it's in Ephesians, right? Where you have the, uh, be angry and do not sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, so scripture interpreting scripture would tell us like, okay, there are appropriate times to be angry. Right. Also, most of the time we're angry, it's probably not appropriate. Right. So, but here he's not distinguishing necessarily. And we're, so we are trying to figure out like, is there a nuance in the Greek word to say which kind of anger this right. is? Um, because when you read it, it just seems like, don't be angry. Mm-hmm. Which is really hard for mm-hmm. us, like, as humans, mm-hmm. to not be angry, righteous or unrighteous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like, I, I think about it. I think we, I think we can intuitively understand that, okay, he's at least talking about the, what we would call like the unrighteous anger, like the, mm-hmm. the flare up, um, that's because I've been done wrong. Yeah. Um, as far as like, whether he's talking about, ang- don't be angry period. It's like, maybe there's some clue in the fact that he says like everyone who is angry rather than like becomes angry. Like maybe there's a, mm-hmm. some verb tense stuff there right. going on. I don't really know enough to, yeah. to say. And I think one of the other things we talked about that, um, I thought was good was like how the rarity of that righteous anger, mm-hmm. like maybe that's the case here of talking about unrighteous anger. But then at the same time, when we try and whittle it down to, is it this kind of anger? Or is it that kind of anger? It's like, how often do right. we actually fall in the camp of right. uh, the kind of anger that's because of, you know, someone who was being, you yeah. know, put down or that was, yeah. you know, being treated poorly. Right. Um, it's yeah. We, we experience that sometimes, but most of the time that I'm angry, it's not for, that right. reason it's more of a selfish or mm-hmm. a self-preserving kind of anger mm-hmm. yeah yeah so anyway yeah I, I don't think we had it's not clearly delineated right. but we can say here whatever kind of angry anger jesus is talking about it's not good yep yeah um and so he says not to be uh and it goes through these these three statements mm-hmm. so angry with his brother will be liable to judgment Insults his brother, liable to the council. Says you fool, liable to the hell of fire. So it's like three actions with three 
um, different consequences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, we had to, like we talked some about, sometimes when you have that in the Bible, it's like intentionally three different things, mm-hmm. talking about three different things. Sometimes you have more like what they would call parallelism uh, as a teaching technique to like circle back and like add fullness with each one, but not be talking about three different things. Um, I think. And then progressive. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that would be kind of in the same space where they, so, so teaching three different things. Yeah. You're saying like, is it progressive? Yeah. Where it's getting worse with mm -hmm. each time they're saying something new. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Libel to judgment. Is that anger and then getting that getting worse is whoever insults and then worse than that is saying you fool and yeah. so you have libel to judgment and then libel to the council and libel to hell mm-hmm. it's like that would be an intensification yeah yeah i think whenever we look at those i think at least for me as i'm reading that it seems like it's a repetition of the mm-hmm. same thing mm-hmm. just with a more extreme um, and yeah an intensification of what the point is mm-hmm. and what it's getting at there um not like just if you do this, then it leads to this and then this and then that. Um, and then it's just like a level up for each one. Um, it's leveling up the intensity, but not necessarily like a more severe punishment because you were insulting versus yeah. being angry. Yeah. I think that's some good clarity that I didn't quite get to yesterday. Um, he's not trying to establish three tiers of offense right. that have three tiers of consequences. Yeah. And so he's not inviting us to say like, well, I was just angry, but I didn't insult my brother. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, I think he's lumping these three things together and showing how they're it's, it's damaging Yeah, to be yeah. angry insult. Um, yeah. Yeah. Part of the conversation was around. Um, so judgment, like how would they experience judgment? It's like probably, via the Sanhedrin, yep. which was the mm-hmm. libel to the council. So it's like those seem to be saying the same thing. And then how do they understand like the outcome of that? If you were judged by the Sanhedrin, it's like maybe they would have equated that with the yeah. hellfire. Yeah, the so, perception would be if if they judge you this way, then that is where, you know, that's the next step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So either way, the cl- what's clear there is Jesus is saying, um, hey, it's not just murder mm-hmm. um, that is like, uh, that's damaging and liable to judgment, um, but like anger itself yeah, and in, insults and yeah. intent to harm. Right. Which I think is cool whenever we look at that of like murder being a very external thing that mm-hmm. can be seen mm-hmm. and then anger being much more internal focused. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where Jesus is getting it. Like we said, the heart of the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, no, you can't necessarily always see anger, mm-hmm. but Jesus is saying like, that's not good either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what he does with like lust as well. It's really easy to say like, well, it doesn't hurt anybody, right? right? It just happened in my head and in my mm-hmm. heart. And he's saying like, no, it doesn't, it's not just whether it hurts someone else um, that determines whether something is sinful and yeah. li- liable to judgment. It's like, it's your heart. Mm. Anything else in that section? I don't think so. Okay, so 23 and 24. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Yeah, so some of the main points like taking away from this section for me is the leaving your gift there at the altar and go. Um, This is not just like a present that you're sitting at the end of the altar. This would have been like a live animal that you're Mm -hmm. leaving at the altar. So Mm -hmm. to leave it and then just walk away from it, that animal is going to be destroying whatever it is and like just running around in the temple. Yeah. That's kind of a funny image. Yeah. 
It's like so inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Loose goat in the temple. There it is. <laughs> Just running around. Yeah. Trying to catch a kid. Ah, goat jokes. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. I'm here all day. <laughs> um, okay, so here we have kind of like, this is the central part of the passage that we were mm-hmm. after. I love the fact that we get to see it in context, though. So we, here we have, um, you're you're offering your gift at the altar, which for them, he's, he's speaking in Galilee. Mm-hmm. The altar that he'd be talking about would have been presumably in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like probably several days journey away. I think I'd read like 70 or 80 miles, like the way that they would walk it. Um, so it's like at a normal walking pace, anywhere between two and five days is what I saw. So it's like, it's not just like, you know, I, oh guys, I, I forgot I left the crock pot on at home right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Let me run home and I'll be right back. It's like, leave the gift, make the two to five day journey back home and then make the two to five day journey back. Yeah. It's like, it's that important mm-hmm. to restore relationship. Yeah. And the first to be first be reconciled is the one who is initiation initiating wow reconciliation here um so this is the one who has like wronged the other person Mm -hmm. yeah so you see that in the uh, if you're at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you Mm -hmm. so it's not you're like oh man yeah i remember that guy he did something to me i gotta go tell him what for yeah it's like Mm -hmm. um this is i i'm there and i realize um, that I've done something to harm someone else. Yeah. Which is an interesting um, like next verse mm-hmm. after what we've just talked about where it's mm-hmm. saying, don't be angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's saying like, if you realize that you have made someone angry or they have some wrong mm-hmm. against you, you need to go reconcile that. Yeah. Um, so I just see that and it's like, as brothers and sisters, like it's our job as the community of believers right. that whenever we feel like we may have done something to wrong somebody else, that we take the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we own up for it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a really cool thing of like we also protect our mm-hmm. our, our brothers and sisters from the temptation of falling into that sin mm-hmm. of anger. Because yeah. if we feel like maybe we did something to, to wrong them, we step up yeah. and say, oh, let me reconcile this. Yeah. And not let not let it get to that point, which I think is powerful. It's so easy for us. Like, I don't. We we just want to self justify all the time and say like, well, they're the ones. Mm. They're the ones who are responding poorly or mm-hmm. whatever. They're yeah. the ones getting angry and like. So they they're the ones who are in the wrong here. Right. And like that we that we would if we realize that someone has something against us, like we want to go make it right. Yeah. That's big. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the other things looking at this. Uh, is it's not saying to to throw aside your religious duties, mm-hmm. um, but it's just saying it's more important for us mm-hmm. to reconcile with with someone that we've wronged, um, and we can't use like our service to or toward the mm-hmm. Lord as a justification for having right. a bad relationship. Right. Um, like if we feel like we've wronged someone, we can't say, "Well, doesn't matter now." You know, I'm I'm doing this, and this mm-hmm. is what this is where I'm at. Like yeah. God's saying, no, the relationship is what is most important. Mm-hmm. Then come back, mm-hmm. and and also that that idea of how can you make right with God mm-hmm. if you aren't even right with a brother yeah. or sister? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, what really is your offering? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, because it hinders the relationship with the Lord more. Yeah. Like. You're hurting yourself more than you're hurting the other person. Sometimes I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then 25 and 26, so come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. To me, this seems, so it's a, both of these that are out, both of these flow out of the, um, like, don't be angry or insult. Yep. And so one is you realize that someone has something against you. Um, so go reconcile. They're both like preventative or like very like take initiative yeah. to make things right, which is big. It's like, I I just like really want to be that kind of person mm-hmm. and be a part of that kind of community Yeah, where we would rather than waiting for the other person, rather than always like pushing off responsibility yeah. uh, for dealing with the issue to say like, well, they need to come to me. It's like, right. Man, if I realize it, if I realize you got something against me, mm-hmm. um, whether I'm at church offering a gift or we're on the way to court, like I want to make it right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think of, I mean, that same passage we were just talking about earlier in Ephesians 4, um, where it says, be angry and do not sin. And then it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger mm-hmm. and give no opportunity to the devil. Um, it's just such a powerful thing of do it now. Like mm-hmm. when you recognize it, do it now. Don't wait. Um, it's not one of those things where, oh, I can, I'll get to that the next time I see them. Uh, or hopefully, right. hopefully I, I, they, you know, we cross paths again and I can apologize for right. that. Um, it says, do it quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's such a neat point. I was, I was like reflecting and wondering if, um, that gives any insight into the kind of anger that Jesus is talking about. Yeah, Like if there's the, you can't, you don't have any control over the negative emotion that flares up whenever you're harmed. Like it just happens. Yep. Um, but like you do have control over like not allowing that to remain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I wonder if that's even part of like everyone who is angry, not even like everyone who has a flare of anger, everyone who like, you know, has that emotion. But if, if the is angry kind of plays into that, like don't let the sun go down on your anger right. piece. It becomes yeah. sinful if you hold on to that anger. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Anything else in this passage? Go ahead. No, I was just thinking about like how I, me personally, how I process things. Like I am one who has to say the things mm-hmm. so I can let it go and move on and like figure out how to do that. And so going to someone and confessing like that I've hurt them like just how it would help mm-hmm. me mentally process it. That was it. Just my own little thing. Yeah. I feel like, so I, I shared that like there was something this week with, um, with Dustin and he's done the same thing with me before. Like we're, we're close friends, we're neighbors and as well. And, um, and there was something where like, I felt like I had potentially harmed our relationship mm. and I just felt, com- I knew it was a safe space for me to go. And I, so I went and said like, Hey, was this off? turns out it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> off, but like to, to have that kind of relationship where it's like, rather than sitting in it yeah. or letting yeah. something, letting it become something, right. it's like addressing it quickly um, to pursue relationship. It's like, man, that's what I want. That's what I want to do. That's how it's supposed to be though. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. Yeah, the ability to have the openness in the relationship that you can ask that, even if something isn't yeah. isn't wrong, and you feel okay, like knowing yeah. that that you can ask that and you're going to get an honest answer back. Yeah. And then if there is something wrong, that you both want to reconcile it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, that is. Cool. So that is, if you are the 
offender. Um, now let's talk about being on the other end of it. Matthew 18, 15 through 20. Um, what's context for this really quickly? I didn't do any. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Did you guys? A little, I, go a ahead. Little. Yeah. Um, so going into this Matthew 18, let me scroll up real quick. Um, so right before this, so this is, like we said, this is that fourth discourse. This is where it talks about kind of the community of believers, what that looks like, it revealing the way that that's supposed to look like, the actions of believers in that community. Um, and in Matthew 18, it's focusing on those characteristics. And some of those things are uh, be like children. Mm-hmm. So be humble, um, avoid sin, mm-hmm. um, do what it takes to avoid it, like go to the extreme if you have to, to avoid it. And then also go after the lost sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, don't leave someone behind, chase after them. Um, and this principle right here, I think is super important when we talk about where we're about to head with mm-hmm. with this section, because I think that principle of 10 through 14, of if a brother gives into that temptation of sin, if that brother becomes mm-hmm. that lost sheep, um, how does that work out in practice? Like, what do yeah. we do next? Um, and that this, this section kind of explains, here's how you practically handle um, that brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the lost sheep, seeing that right before this passage was kind of like eye-opening for me this yeah. time in studying it. Like I'd never connected those dots. And then after it, we have the parable of the unforgiving servant. So also yep. like very tied to that. So uh, let's let's dive in. So uh, 15 through 17, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. One of the early interesting things I found in this was in that first phrase, if your brother sins against you, mm-hmm. yeah, I found commentary that says like that against you was likely not mm. in the original text. Um, so specifically says uh, the words against you were probably not part of the original text and unhelpfully restrict the scope yeah. response to personal injury will come into focus in verses 21 through 35. Here it is the brother's danger, not any effect of his sin on me personally, which is that issue. Yeah. Which kind of narrows it too much whenever mm-hmm. it says the against you. And also I think kind of takes it away from mm-hmm. what we were just talking about mm-hmm. with the lost sheep. Um, whenever you read it as if your brother sins, mm-hmm. go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That changes the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. It changes what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's less about a personal offense mm-hmm. that someone has done against you. But if we see a brother who has fallen into that temptation yeah. of sin, this is our duty now mm-hmm. as as you know a fellow believer to go yeah. and chase after him and mm-hmm. tell him you know what's yeah. going on. And I think that gives it a much more powerful and punchy mm-hmm. thing for what we're talking about. I do too. Um, and I, I think even, so we, we would not want to build like an entire doctrine on right. like right. one, like a, a manuscript variation or something like that. Um, but whenever we look through the rest of scripture, we definitely see that pattern yeah. that, that we are supposed to correct one another in spirit yeah. of gentleness. James talking about like chasing down, you know, uh, I think it's in Galatians. Um, it, it, any of you catches, a, uh, sees a brother in sin, like restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Um, like that's definitely a... Uh, a scriptural principle yeah. mm-hmm. that we care about each other's spiritual health enough to go talk with each other yeah. whenever we 
we see sin. And I think that's key to to see that it's not like a a counter to something else we see in scripture. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, it falls right along in line with mm-hmm. the rest of New Testament mm-hmm. um, scripture and teaching about uh, believers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if he listens to you, so if he is hearing and understanding what you're saying to them, then you have gained your brother. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty big of um, to restore that relationship, to help like mm-hmm. strengthen that relationship yeah, like yeah. The, the goal of it isn't to demean, right. to bring down. Right. Um, it's to restore. Right. Um, it's to to gain back, mm-hmm. uh, which is so much better than coming to someone just to make them feel bad about mm-hmm. something they did. Like our duty isn't to to make someone just feel like crud. Mm-hmm. Um, right. and, and, you know, just because we're calling them out for something, it's because we love them and mm-hmm. we want to see them restored. We want to mm-hmm. see their relationship with God strengthened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so, that's just so, such a greater way to handle something like that. Yeah. It's almost more unloving to not call them out yeah. than to mm-hmm. allow them to stay. Yeah. It's not almost, it is. It is. Yeah. Because the, it's like the implication um, is, so when we see if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. The the opposite would be if he doesn't listen to you or if mm-hmm. you don't go, then you've lost your yeah. brother. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also the, we have the progression there mm-hmm. of uh, it shouldn't be made public in the beginning. It's a private right. thing. Keep it the um, circle as small as possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it small, which goes in line with the, the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. It's not to, you know, make a show out of it. Um, but just to get your brother to realize the sin um, and to restore that relationship. And I also just think for me, um, it can be easy to slip into gossip first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like you see somebody who you think is maybe, you know, you, you saw them do something that was out of character mm-hmm. or not mm-hmm. in line with, you know, uh, the way a believer should be acting. And it can be really easy for our minds to go initially to, I'm going to go talk to somebody mm-hmm. about this. And that's not the way scripture is prescribing right. it to us. It's saying, go to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, don't make this public. Um, that's not what it's yeah. about. Yeah. Man, I just love that. So the broadening of this from just a personal offense, because otherwise I can be like, well, they didn't really sin against me. Right. So I'm kind of off the hook. Like, Because right. these conversations are uncomfortable. Yeah. Like most people do not like to go talk with someone else about their sin. And if you like it, like there's probably something a little bit <laughs> right. wrong. Right. right. Um, so it's like, I, I tend to try to find ways to let myself off the hook. Like I don't mm. have to do that because it, they didn't really sin against sure. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like seeing as like, if I see a brother caught in sin, I need to go talk with mm-hmm go talk yeah. with him. Um, I think that's that kind of ownership is really important in the family of God. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't listen, then you take um, mm-hmm. two or three, uh, one or two other people so that you and those two or uh, one or two other people form two or three witnesses, yeah. which mm-hmm. is like the biblical precedent for establishing a charge. Yep. Yeah. You see that in, I think Deuteronomy 19, mm-hmm. uh, the principle of two or three witnesses. Good. Yeah. And so we were talking some about like, do these have to be witnesses of the sin? I don't think so. Like to yeah. me, when I read it, it's like they're witnesses of the fact that this person has been confronted with the sin, that it was handled in an appropriate way. And it was handled in an appropriate way. Yeah. Um, and that that person is not repentant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I lean towards that as well. I think it it makes it way too difficult. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to say, like, you know, 
who knows if two or three people saw that, you know, right. I right. saw it. Um, does that mean I have to, cause then you have to do the thing where it's almost like you have to bring other people to watch him, you know, right. let's see, right. let's see if he's doing it again. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's not what it's talking about here. Yeah. Well, another co- uh, thing I found was like, maybe it's possibly to help uh, mediate the confrontation mm-hmm. if we're looking at sin against you. So then you have other people there to be like a sounding board to be like, um, actually that's mm-hmm. a little, you know, off yeah. or I don't really see that in him and yeah. that type and of I conversation. That, I think that can be beneficial too. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have kind of the end of the process. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess you have one more step before the end. So if he refuses to listen to those two or three, then tell it to the church. Mm-hmm. Tell it to the church, which what does okay. that mean for them, Nathan? Well, the I'm church. so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. I'm I don't know how you knew that I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> okay, so this word church um is ecclesia. Um it's uh it was in common usage for several hundred years before the Christian era. So I'm just reading like some lexicon stuff for you. Um and was used to refer to an assembly of persons constituted by well-defined membership. In general, Greek usage, it was normally a socio-political entity based upon citizenship in a city-state. And in this sense, uh, yeah. So for the New Testament, however, it is important to understand the meaning of ecclesia as an assembly of God's people. Mm -hmm. Um, Ecclesia is only used twice in the gospel, both in Matthew. Um, It was not so, uh, yeah, and it would have, it's Jesus. So the other time is when he says, you're Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. Mm. Um, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But then it starts being used all the time in the book of Acts mm. as the way to refer to um, the gathered believers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So some people would take this and say, this means to tell it to the elders of the church. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't particularly think so. I think it doesn't talk talk just about church leaders. Yeah. Um, I think it's like, there's an implication of like, Hey, this is going to um, the members of the church. So would you say like standing on top of the platform, like presenting this to the whole congregation then? So, I mean, that's not what they would have thought about because right, they right, didn't right, have right. a, they didn't have a platform and stuff. Yes. It's significantly smaller environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the heart of what you're describing though um is that the members of the church, mm-hmm. um, those people who are defined as inside, because part of like, as you read through the New Testament, there's clearly an inside and outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like God is not apologetic about like his people being holy and separate, mm-hmm. yet apart. Um, and so like throughout, when we read about church discipline and stuff, there's an implication of like, there are those who are inside and then this person, because of their unrepentant heart, you're supposed to treat them as an outsider. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, there's a line of demarcation there. Yeah. And so um, for this to work, whenever, it, whenever you have the, if he refuses to listen, even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Um, that's talking about like ostracizing them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An outsider. Yeah. An outsider. And so like everybody, the members of the church all have to know that. Yeah. You can't just be uh, like hey, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while right. and stuff like, oh yeah, they're kind of doing their own thing. It's like, they have to know that it's because of unrepentant sin yeah. that you're not supposed to treat them as a brother anymore. Yeah, and like, the thing is, is it's it's supposed to sting. Right. It, it should. Like this, the way that this plays out is it it should kind of hurt mm-hmm. um, yeah. to be on the outside of it. Right. Um, it's one of those things where if you just 
you know, tell it to, you know, the, your, you know, just your small group of people or mm-hmm. it's like, that's not, you know, only a few mm-hmm. people know that doesn't really sting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think you're right on the head with, it's definitely like, there's a, there's a certain, um, like everyone's supposed to know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's with love that they're trying sure. to get them to come to yes. full repentance and reconciliation within the body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I talked about this yesterday. I had to do a little bit of of thinking and processing when I was looking at this. I was like, man, that's kind of kind of harsh. Mm-hmm. That seems rough. But at the same time, as as you said earlier, it's almost uh more unloving and more harsh mm-hmm. for us to sit back and just allow it. Um right. to allow someone to to live in in a way that isn't in line mm-hmm. with how Jesus has has called us to live, isn't in line with the way believers are called mm-hmm. to live. Um, and, and then to let them go along thinking that yeah. they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And most importantly, this is to people who claim to be brothers and sisters right. of the body. This yes. is not outside of the brothers and sisters right. yes. of the body of not Christ. Not just a calling out of, right. of people. Right. Yeah. But if we see yeah. one another sinning, yeah. that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think about like that haunting verse. Um, that Michael talked about with um, when he was talking about the goats and the sheep, mm-hmm. they're like um, people coming up to him and saying, uh, Lord, Lord, uh, or he says, you know, not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, yeah, um, will enter into the kingdom. Um, and they're like, Jesus, we, we did all these great, great things for you. We uh, did all these miracles and these signs and wonders cast out demons. Um, and he says, depart from me. I never knew mm. you. And it's like, man, to avoid discomfort here because it's going to be mm-hmm. potentially awkward if they don't receive right. it um, versus letting them continue in fellowship, thinking they're fine with the Lord and then to get there. And then yeah. it's like, yeah, we have, to, if there's, if there's persistent unrepentant sin in the heart of a believer, like that should cause questions about like salvation. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. All right. Are you ready for verse 18 through 20? Yeah. This, this section right here really blew me away yesterday. So, Okay. Uh, it says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two or three of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. What yeah. blew you away yesterday? It's just because how much this has been taken out of context. Mm. Because people tend to separate these verses from verses 15 through 17 and how like if we look at this in context, he's talking about like the difficult work of church discipline when Mm -hmm. two or three believers are gathered to address a brother or Mm -hmm. sister living in unrepentant sin. Mm -hmm. Um, What do they do like through tough work of gentle loving and confrontation? Mm -hmm. It's to like hopefully bring them back. But if they are agreed upon in this situation, like church discipline is to happen. Um, And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's always been like, oh, here I like Jesus is in the midst of two to three. And it's right. We're gathered for a prayer gathering in my living room and wherever two or three are gathered. um, And it's like, it's not wrong. Right. The truth is with that though, it's like, with one of you. Yeah, in yes. your prayer closet. You. <laughs> yes, he's right exactly. there with you. Right. Yeah, he's always there. But yeah. this has always been... It's more a... specific. Yeah. Yeah. And Which is like, kind of makes it 
that makes it really powerful for this because yes. it's like when, whenever you're asked to enter into the the incredible discomfort of like addressing sin because you love and care about somebody mm-hmm. to have that promise that like the Lord's there in the middle oh, yeah. of it. It's like, okay, not just when are we gathered for worship, but like whenever I'm doing the difficult work of, yep. yeah, addressing sin. It's good. Yeah. So the agree there um, literally means to symphonize. Yeah, yep. Symphonize. Thanks. Yeah. So with music, you know, in harmony, all of those. Oh, yeah beautifulness that happens Heavenly. musically nope uh, what what that's all i got um this bind on earth bound in heaven loose on earth loose in heaven uh i'm i'm sorry to say i didn't get as much time to do i didn't do as much work on this part yeah. this time when we studied because it was like kind of the last part of the passage yeah. that mm-hmm. didn't seem as pertinent to me so um I'm not like super, super confident on this part. Like I have a, I have a way that I think about it. I'd love for you guys to push back on if you think differently. Okay. So a way that this has been interpreted that makes the most sense to me in context is um, that we're talking about the context of uh, church discipline yep. mm-hmm. here. So the admittance into, um, into the church by the church uh, as a, as a whole yep. saying like, yes, this person belongs mm-hmm. um, like there's spiritual implications to that. Um, and, uh, and then also being cast out of that or yeah. loosed from it or whatever, like um, that, that has implications as well. And so if to me, it reads f- flowing out of this um, that uh, church authority and discipline matters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's heavenly like impact by uh we like church leaders have been giving given authority and what they say about this matters and so it's a reason we should be submitted to our church leaders yep yeah i agree with you and i think so and i think it's it's you know it's saying if if it's handled in this way in this way that's been laid out then the authority has been given to those those leaders Mm -hmm. to make that decision um i mean it says that if two of you agree on earth about anything they, you know, they ask, it will be done for them by my father in mm-hmm. heaven. And also, you know, and right before that, um, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, mm-hmm. you know, bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Mm-hmm. So you see that, that unity there of mm-hmm. there's been some amount of authority that's been, that's been handed over, mm-hmm. um, when done, when done correctly. And yeah, done. I think that's the big point that yeah. I would point out, like is done correctly. Cause yeah. there definitely has been not great church leaders in the past and right. stuff like that. So it's not saying that if church leaders kick you out of the church, you're getting kicked out of heaven. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very. Right. But, and so, so abuse of power does not negate the fact that like power is there Correct. either. So, yeah. Um, I, I, that's kind of the difficult tension. Like church leaders have abused power. Uh-huh. And so like, we can be tempted to think like, well, what that, what church leaders say doesn't matter. Um, but like, I, I think here still we see that like uh, that there is authority given yeah. there, and it's like if we are a part of a godly church and like the the leadership and that the church as a whole says that like what we're doing is sinful, like we should have a we should take a very serious look yeah. at ourselves absolutely mm-hmm. in that yeah. Okay, uh, anything else? Um, or putting this together? Any last thoughts for you guys before we wrap it up? Yeah, just my last thoughts is like clean, like knowing that this is to the family of Christ. This yeah. is not us 
speaking to unbelievers and mm-hmm. uh, that type of relationship. But this is right. to help encourage and strengthen relationships within the church body. Yep. Both are two brothers. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then Nick Volkening said it a, long, a while back ago whenever he preached this summer on uh, for Matthew 5, specifically with the anger part, is when we see people as the problem and not a person mm-hmm. or as image bearers of Christ. Um, I really clung to that because I can tend to do that sometimes where I see people as the problem mm-hmm. instead of seeing them as like. Yeah, that's good. Yep. Anything for you, Morgan? Um, I think for me, it's just this idea that we're talking about anger and division um, amongst believers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesus is very aware that it's going to be there. Yeah. Um, and he's not shying away from it, right. but he's also giving a healthy way to handle it. Yeah. And, and for me, it was the realization that like, no matter where you're at, like on this earth, we live in a broken world. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be division. Mm-hmm. We're going to do things to upset each other sometimes. Um, but the way that it's handled is handled differently amongst mm-hmm. believers. Yeah. Um, we don't seek revenge. We don't wait for the other person to say sorry first. We don't, um, you know, sit around and, and say, well, you know, I, I could have, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't do anything that, that was that bad. Um, they'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we act first and, yeah. and the way we handle it is, is done much more beautiful in a way that I like my desire for, you know, mm-hmm. my family of, of, you know, my church family to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I totally agree. It's like, imagine living in a space where regardless of whether you're the offended or the offendee, like yeah. you just uh, go out of your way to make sure that the relationship's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like, I want to be a part of that family. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. That's connect week two. That's an, an I said that kind of weird, didn't week I? Poor. funny. Baked potato. Baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I love inside jokes. Yeah. And people are like, hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, this is, I think it's so cool to put this in a series on connection, like as week two, because inevitably you start getting close to people and these things start popping up and you start asking the question, like, is this really worth it? Mm -hmm. And so just to see like, Hey, Jesus said that this was going to happen. He gives us a path forward to deal with it. And it is worth it to be connected. It's like, I just love that. So Thank you guys for joining us for the podcast today. Um, what what do I need to say? I was just going to tell them, like, if they're listeners, what their new name is. Okay. So you guys are now called Pod Stalkers. Spell it. Oh, it doesn't make it as fun. What? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. P O D. Yes. S T O C K E R S. So like you're stocking yes. the warehouse, but yeah, like stocking shelves, not stocking like looking through windows. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say I have never signed off on this. <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I don't think you guys are stocking the warehouse, are you? No, I feel like that's what we're doing. They're listening and they're gaining, yeah. no, no. gaining knowledge. They're well, yeah. visiting the warehouse. Oh. They're visiting the warehouse. If they're gaining Absurdity. knowledge, that means that they're taking things off of the shelves, not <laughs> well, stocking the yeah. shelves. Yeah. You're right. Maybe so I we're think the pod stockers. Up. We're the pod stockers. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Pod shoppers. Pod shoppers. Yeah, it makes there it a little is. more sense. Thanks go. for shopping know. the warehouse. <laughs> I, I, for one, don't know why you all need a particular title. But it's fun. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a if thing. you have an idea, send it to us. Please do. <laughs> Nathan shuts it down. 
I won't shut your. Well, if they're good ideas, I don't shut them down. <laughs> 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 Just Sorry. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Whatever your names are, we love you a lot and care for you each individually by whatever your names are. So, <laughs> hope you have an awesome week. Hope this is an enriching uh, series and sermon for you. Um, we'd love to hear any thoughts you have, questions. Uh, so send them to us, warehouse at cornerstone.team. Until next time, the warehouse is fully stocked. Hey. With stalkers. Guys, take stuff off the show. <laughs> we have to turn around and, and stock it again. Yeah. <laughs>